We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. And I was in the Spirit and I heard, and then he begins to describe in chapters 1, 2, and 3 the vision he has of Jesus. And this now is the second and biggest of all the visions that, that, that make up the book of Revelation. I was in the Spirit, and, and there before me was a, was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. I, I didn't have a golden throne, so unfortunately this is the best I could find. Um, but that's essentially what John sees, this room with this glorious throne in the very center. I want you to think for a moment of a, of a time when you've experienced God like powerfully. You've, you're spending time with Him. You may be listening to worship, or maybe you've, you've, you've opened your Bible, and you've been praying for God to speak to you for a number of weeks. And, and that, that morning, you, as you open up the Scriptures, I mean, the, the Word of God is literally just jumping off the page. I mean, there's fireworks going on in your heart and in your mind the punctuation is even anointed. I mean, it just is one of those incredible moments. And you, you, you come out of God's presence and you rush to find somebody, a roommate or a friend or a spouse to tell them. And you, you describe to them the incredible encounter that you've had with God. And inevitably they go, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, what? what? Oh, wow, that was pretty cool. Did you not hear what I was trying to explain to you? I encountered the very presence of God. That's what John is trying to do here. He is doing something that is so difficult to do. The, the, the throne room of God is a realm that we don't understand or don't experience very often. And John encountered, saw the glory and splendor of God, and he now is doing something almost impossible to try and explain to us what's going on. This is so important to understand. Don't read it as John trying to describe facts. Read it as John trying to describe feelings. He's trying to describe the, the feelings and the emotions of what he saw and what he experienced. Can I just say as an aside, if you are here today, and I loved how worship kind of pointed us in this direction already, but if you are here today and if you are struggling through any area, with any area, struggling to, to overcome, struggling with, with, with things that are overwhelming you, I, I want to say today's message is especially for you. People say to us when we are struggling, it's going to be okay. And can I say, that's not always true. Sometimes it's not always okay. Well, not right away at least. And sometimes not until Jesus returns. But, but my invitation to you if you are struggling is, I believe this message, if we can find in God His grace and power to lift our eyes off of the struggles that we are facing and see the greater reality and the greater truth and the greater victory that is found in Jesus who is seated on the throne. And that's exactly what John sees. He sees God's throne. When we think of heaven, we might have a range of thoughts in our heads, maybe when we think of heaven, we might think of, a, of, a, of a, um, choirs of angels and trumpets. Maybe we think of a, a green pastures with a babbling brook and, and perfectly white sheep kind of frolicking in the grass. Maybe, maybe it's Valentine's Day next, on Friday. Maybe we think of little cherubs, little, little angels with, with an angel and a bow. Maybe uh, with an angel and a bow, with a bow and arrow. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> Whatever it is that we, we, we think when we see or consider heaven Every time in Scripture, when we, when we see or, or heaven is described, it is described with a throne in the center. Ezekiel chapter 1, Isaiah chapter, chapter 9, 
and here again. And circling this, this throne is this emerald rainbow, which, I mean, right there, it's hard to understand how to describe an emerald rainbow. Rainbow, the component colors of pure light, and emerald, which is green, how do we combine the two? I don't know. But I sense maybe John is trying to describe the, the reality of from the throne of God, the, the full spectrum of God's grace and beauty and splendor and glory is being displayed as if it were a gemstone that is sparkling so perfectly and beautifully. Maybe that's something of what John is trying to do. And then he says in verse 2, there before me was a throne with someone sitting on it. I want you to take a moment and think about your to-do list for this week. I use an app called Wonderlist. If you are a to-do list maker, I'm going to make an unashamed plug for Wonderlist. It is outstanding. I looked at my to-do list this morning. There were 74 items listed for the week ahead. I was thinking to myself, God makes a way, Steve makes a list. That's, that's typically how God and I navigate the, the week ahead. So think of your to-do list. Think of all that you have to do. Now, while you're doing that, I want you to, to just allow your eyes to gaze over the room, maybe to someone in front of you, someone to your left or to, right, or to your right. And, and I want you to kind of pick out two people and think about their to-do lists what they have to do this week. Maybe you're sitting near a parent and you realize that, that, that you've got, if you were to do their to-do list, you would need to kind of look after their kids for the week. Maybe you're sitting near or you're looking at a doctor or a, or a business person and you realize that there would be not only your to-do you know, to list plus running a business or seeing patients or, or taking an exam. Maybe there's someone here who's at school and you would need to take an exam. I, imagine if you were given the responsibility not just to complete your to-do list this week, but to complete the to-do list of two or three other people in this room. I, I would almost guarantee you wouldn't be sitting here listening to me preach on Re Revelation 4. You would be out there running errands and taking on tasks and responsibilities in order to try and get your to-do list finished. Now think for a moment of God's to-do list. I, I would suggest that God has a to-do list that's far more extensive than our to-do list. He has stars to parade each and every day. He calls them by name. Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without our heavenly Father knowing. He cares for animals. He dresses flowers. He knits babies together in their mother's womb. He answers prayers. He holds the universe together, with, including every, every atom and every molecule in the palm of his hand. And yet, the way that God or Jesus is described every single time we, we, we see him is we, he is described seated on a throne. He's not frantic. We, we spend our lives running, uh, running this errand or, or, or taking on this responsibility or, or, or trying to fulfill this particular task in a way of keeping our lives together. And yet God, who is infinitely more, quote unquote, busy than we are, is seated on the throne. Because when, when, when God speaks, it is. Let there be light. Let there be provision. Let there be healing. Let there be wholeness. Let there be joy. God declares, and it, and, and it is. And this is something of the glory of God that, that John is seeing as he looks through the open door into the throne room of God. Verse 4 tells us that around this throne are 24 other thrones, and seated on those thrones are 24 elders, 
dressed in white with crowns on their head. I, I would think if you, if you read forward to Revelation 21, we don't have time to turn there, but, but it describes what, who these elders are. Twelve elders representative of the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 elders representative of the apostles of the Lamb. These elders, these 24 elders represent the entirety of God's redeemed people from the old and the new covenant. And then verse 5 tells us, from the throne comes, came uh, flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. Whenever we read in God's Word, uh, God uh, encountering or coming down to meet with His people, it always is accompanied with, with thunder and lightning and flashes and, 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 and peals of thunder, rumblings, earthquakes. You see it again in the book of Exodus on Mount Sinai, Isaiah 6, even at the cross. And we have to ask ourselves the question, why, why is that? And I think the answer is simply found in the, re, in the fact that the, the, the word glory in, in Hebrew, it's a difficult word to translate into English, but essentially it means something that is weighty, something that is substantial, something that is significant, something that is deep, in comparison to that which it is around, like us, for example, which can be light and trivial and somewhat insignificant and maybe even fluffy. I love that word. <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is when, is when weighty things like, like God's glory encounters lighter things like us, there is a reordering of the lighter thing in relation to the glory of God that is, that is falling upon His people. It's a silly illustration, but here is a tote full of water. And let's just assume that represents something of us. And if I take something that is lighter than this water, like a piece of paper, and I put it in here, nothing actually happens. There's no change. There's no transformation. There's no reordering. The piece of paper is just sitting nice and neatly on top of the water. Maybe some of us here think that's how we encounter God's presence. Maybe we think it's just a case of God gently and quietly and neatly sitting on top of our lives. But then nothing actually changes. And I don't mean to be provocative, but I wonder whether we've actually encountered the God of the Bible, if that's the case. When we encounter the God of the Bible, it's some, He is something that is, that is weighty and significant and, and deep and substantial. And when, he, when we encounter Him, in comparison, we are anything but that. When God encounters us, there is a complete reordering and a change. And a, These water molecules don't just sit there and receive the glory. They receive the glory and there is change and transformation, a reordering around that which is substantial. And I want to say that's why whenever we see encounters with God, that's why whenever we at times encounter God's presence, there is significant change and reordering that adjusts to the one who is far greater than us. Before the lamb in verse six, sorry, before the throne in verse six tells us there are seven lampstands, speaking of God's purity and God's holiness. And around the throne, it says that there was a sea of glass. Think for a moment of Lake Michigan. We've all seen Lake Michigan on those days where the wind is blowing and the clouds are in and, the, and Lake Michigan looks super chaotic and rough and untamable. And there are moments almost like, you know, sort of 12 hours later, we, we can drive past Lake Michigan and it's as absolutely flat as, as glass. 
We've all seen that. And to a, to a, to a first century Christian, to, to, to someone who is with a Jewish background, the sea was always associated with that which is chaotic, that which is in turmoil, that which is untamable. But yet before the glory and the throne room of God, it's as tranquil and peaceful as a sea of glass. Think of the turmoil that you might be going through. Think of the upheaval that might be going on in your lives. I want to say, friends, before the throne room of God, he releases his peace. Verse 6, in the center around the throne were were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. There's so much that has been said about these four living creatures. In my estimation, I think it's simply just representative of all creation. The ox is the chief of the domestic animals. The lion, the chief of the wild animals. The eagle, the chief of the birds. And the man, chief of them all. And together, representatives of all of creation are coming and worshiping before the throne. And these creatures had eyes on top of their wings and beneath their wings. They had eyes that could look anywhere but they chose to focus their gaze upon the throne room of God. And day and night, verse 8, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. It's intriguing. There is hope that is worked into the song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and will be would make the most sense. But it says who was and is and is to come. Jesus is returning. And as he returns, or when he returns, he will redeem creation, and he will redeem your situation. Whenever the living creatures, all of creation, give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, remember, representative of all of God's people, whenever these creatures began to sing, all of the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne. How glorious is God. These angelic beings who have never sinned choose to bow down in worship to the glorious God. I said creatures who could look absolutely anywhere focus their gaze on the splendor of God on his throne. And a crown, which is representative of honor and authority, would be so inappropriate to wear at a moment like that. Because all honor and all authority belongs to God. And so it's appropriate that these elders take this crown off of their heads and lay it at Jesus' feet. We had a moment in our connect group a few months back where we were talking about this reality. The reality that God moves powerfully through our lives and invites us often to be part of him working in, in our lives and through others. And when we respond to God in obedience, he gives us crowns for things that he actually did. But then we have the privilege of taking those crowns and laying them at his feet as an act of adoration and worship. You know, friends, sometimes the power and presence of God moves so powerfully that sometimes not because we necessarily choose to. The power of God is so, is so present that almost uncontrollably we, we fall on our faces before him. 
Maybe that's happened to you. I know there's a number of you here where you've experienced that particular, uh, um, you, you've had that experience. God's presence is so powerful that you, that, that you just can't stand. Debs and many others here are particularly sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and I've seen it happen a number of times. For me, it's probably happened a handful of times, but I know it's happened. But there are moments where God is so present, God is speaking so significantly that it's not a case of God knocking us down. It's a case of the only appropriate thing for us to do is to fall at his feet. It happened on Tuesday at our prayer meeting as the band was worshiping and God was beginning to speak prophetically through Debs and Leanne and, and, and Ashley. And the, the word of God was, was so, so evident, so rich, so strong. I mean, there was nothing else I could do but to fall on my face before the power and the presence of God. That's what these elders were doing. And as they did this, they sang in verse 11, you are worthy, our God, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Do you remember Jesus' invitation in verse two? Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. I would suggest we, we're not able to know what would take place after this. We're not able to understand what comes after this until we first grasp the reality of the throne of God in the center of all things. So what do we learn from this? We're going to be finished in two minutes. Actually, that's not true. We're going to be finished in five minutes. <laughs> what do we learn from this? The, Lord, the Lord's Prayer teaches us, teaches us how to pray, and it teaches us how to live here on earth as citizens in heaven. Our Father, who, who, art, who, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. I mean, we, we love to pray that. We love to pray, Lord, as it is on earth, as in heaven on earth, as in heaven on earth. We love to pray that. But I want to say, friends, we've got to be, we need to be thoughtful about this. The answer to that prayer, some of the answer to that prayer actually rests with us. There are worshipers in heaven. I would suggest, friends, to see heaven come to earth, we are called to be worshipers. We are called to be worshipers in good times and in bad times. Worship is more about Him than it is about us. Sometimes, and I do this too, sometimes we find ourselves asking the question, oh, did you enjoy worship today? No, yeah, I didn't really care for it too much. I would suggest God did. God cares for it every time we gather. God receives our worship. Whether the worship team are on point, or whether there are sound interruptions or struggling with keys, and I'm not a worship leader, and forgive me for the wrong terminology, but God receives our worship, because it is more about Him than it is about us. And God, in His glory and goodness, turns that worship and begins to minister to us through it. We encounter His presence. The truths of the words that we sing begin to come alive in our hearts. We, need, we must be worshipers. Secondly, we must be humble. We must be humble. The, the crowns and the, the, and the treasures and the gifts and the accomplishments are, that, that we've all experienced and, and, and had and done for God and for His kingdom, the things that we've accumulated all come from God. And they don't make us less dependent on Him. They make us more indebted to Him. Our only appropriate response is to bow 
and to lay those crowns before him. We must be worshipers. We must be humble. And then lastly, we must be confident. We must be confident. We must, we must live here on earth in, with the reality of the fact that we are seated in heavenly realms reigning with Christ. Do you remember the promise to the Laodiceans that I read at the very beginning out of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20? I will give, that Jesus says, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne in heaven. In warfare, particularly in, 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 in medieval warfare, the high ground was absolutely essential in, in ensuring success in battle. We need to remember, for those of us who are in Jesus, we are seated in the highest possible place for us to see the execution of the victory that Jesus has already won, with, won for us. We reign in heaven as we battle here on earth. We reign in heaven as we battle here on earth. I'm going to ask the worship team if you wouldn't mind coming up. and I'm going to ask you, friends, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes for a moment. I think it would be appropriate for us just to take a moment to respond to what the Lord is saying and doing here. I want to invite you as you close your eyes just to, just to think of a situation or a circumstance that you are wrestling with or in right now, an area where you are trusting for victory and freedom in, trusting that you would be able to overcome. As you bring that to mind, I want to remind you this morning that in Jesus, we have the high ground. Those of us who are seated in Jesus, we have the high ground. Jesus has already won the victory, but God wants to give us the strategy on how to execute that victory. I want you to think about your situation and circumstance. I want to invite you to ask God to help you renew your mind so that you can see that obstacle from His perspective. I want to invite you to ask God what he would want you to do in that situation. Even if it doesn't make sense, what he tells you and to do it. I want to invite you to ask God to give you a perspective of the person that potentially is opposing you, that you are perhaps wrestling with. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for heaven's perspective to be released in our circumstances and our situations. And as you just meditate on those things that you are working through, and as I trust the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, I want to just read these few verses from Psalm 18, and then we're going to go into a song of worship to end this morning. But just receive the Word of God over you and over those situations and circumstances. Listen to this. The Word of God says from Psalm 18, You are the only God to be worshipped. For there is not a more secure foundation to build my life upon than you. You have wrapped me in power, and now you've shared with me your perfection. Through you, I ascend to the highest peaks of your glory to stand in the heavenly places, strong and secure in you. You've trained me with the weapons of warfare. Now I'll descend into battle with power to chase and conquer my foes. 
You empower me for victory with your wrap around presence. Your power within makes me strong to subdue. And by stooping down in gentleness, you strengthen me and you make me great. You've set me free from captivity. And now I'm standing complete, ready to fight some more. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for heaven's perspective on every situation and circumstance that we are facing. Lord, those impossible things that we were praying through earlier this morning, Father, we ask in Jesus' name that we would understand the reality of our position in heaven and that we would know that even though we are called to fight here on earth, the victory has already been won in you. I ask, Lord God, by the Holy Spirit for a renewing of our minds and our hearts that we would begin to see these circumstances, we would begin to see these situations from a fresh perspective from heaven's perspective. And Lord, we cry out to you, Lord, as we, as we sing and as we end this morning's time together with a song of worship, I pray, Lord God, as we lift up a hallelujah, as we raise our voices, Lord God, over these situations, I pray, Lord God, that you would do what only you can do, and that is bring the victory. We acknowledge, Lord God, that we are powerless to do anything, but in you, Lord God, we know there is victory and there is deliverance. Let's stand together and let's worship God as we finish this morning. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.